Welcome to the USU Career Studio podcast that helps you navigate your career path. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to tell your friends and family all about it. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere else you listen to get access to our newest content. I think this is a really good transition because I want to talk about higher ed's role in shaping students' experience and particularly helping students understand, maybe connecting those dots a little bit of my degree equals what exactly? And again, like you've mentioned, there's a lot of gray area, um, but I'm really curious, what role do you see, you know, whether it's a university or or even trade school, what role do you see education playing in in all of that? Yeah, education has to play a major role and we have to do it better than we've ever done it before, just because um, higher education right now is being questioned a little bit. And you know what? I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with that because it helps us redefine where we're going and what we're doing. I'm not okay with it in the fact that I don't want the general public to start to question rather a degree or education's worth the, the value proposition at the end of the day. We all know it is. There's so much data. There's so much statistics. But you know what? That's not what's important. What's important is that we're showing people by individuals' lives the impact that education's having. So I think education plays a major role, not only in helping individuals find a better job. And that's what we all go to school for, right? We want to not just a job, we want a career. We want a career that we can go to every day and be happy with and we're satisfied. But at the same point in time, we're able to have the type of lifestyle that we want supported off of what it is that, that we're that we're doing. So education plays a major role. But the other part that I think education plays a major role in is society as a whole. What kind of society do we want? What kind of of individuals do we want to, to live around? And I'm not saying that just our degree granting institutions provide that because I don't think that's the case. I think our tech colleges provide a lot of that same thing. Somebody that has a meaningful career, rather electrician, rather a plumber, rather the HVAC, rather they're in IT world and they're being successful, they're working in the community, they're serving. All that brings together a really nice social economic package mm-hmm. for the areas that we live. So education plays a major, major part, not only just for the earning power, but also for the type of lifestyle that we like to live and the people around us. Um, the, the type of people we want to have around us. Interesting. And connecting it to carry your work. I'm curious, you know, so historically the data has always shown that again, advanced degrees equals higher incomes and, and all of those things. Um, you know, more recently, so in, in past recessions, typically education is, is the thing people go to with COVID. It was a little bit different. I'm curious, do you have any thoughts just on the data kind of connected to um, you know, students or people generally returning to education as a means of kind of support and stability. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. So I think the um, typically a recession, you see an economic weakness, um, be it a particular set of industries is hit or the overall economy is, is hit. But you see it as an economic weakness and you uh, many people will reassess their position in that economy. And that position may be the, the new path they want to take. Uh, requires them to go and get more education. So that's what brings them here. This was not really an economic phenomenon per se, but rather an external to the economy. And therefore it wasn't education as being the answer. Additionally, we simply had the challenges of attending higher education during a yes, pandemic yes. kept people away. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it, it played out just as we expected, which is this is not a typical recession. Therefore we're not going to see that um, 
anti-cyclical return to education. However, we do know there were very many, there were some industries that were specifically challenged by uh, the nuances of the pandemic. And therefore you do see people who said, you know, my work looks differently now than it did before. And I don't desire that anymore. So I want to move away from this industry. And we really dug in deep to say, you know, where are people going to want to go where? And we had some fast acting programs where we're looking right right now. What does industry need now that we have all these shifting phenomena with uh, with the pandemic? Where do we need to get people? And we were injecting um dollars into the institutions to say, expand this particular program, expand that program, because we have people that are readjusting. And so we did do that. It was it really did play out a lot differently than a typical recession did for us. One of the things we found very interesting, as Carrie's talked about, is the state put a lot of money into um, short term training programs. The, those individuals that were on the sideline Interesting. that during the pandemic said, you know, what, I kind of do want to go back to work. What are some short term mm-hmm. training programs that we can roll out? from our degree granting institutions to our tech, we had a lot of individuals take advantage of. And I thought that was really wise for the state to do on some of the federal dollars to say, how can we best utilize those for the good of the people? If we do have people that want to, you know, to re-engage, to reconnect or to pivot, as Carrie said, we had a lot of people go, well, wait a minute, mm-hmm. coming out of COVID, things are going to look differently. So I need to re-engage here and rethink. So um, I, I think there's some very some really good positive things that come out of COVID as well. Obviously we know that the downside of it, but I think there's some positive things that we've learned in education. Um, Even the way that our kids or students decide they want to take courses is something Mm -hmm. we've learned a lot from. So there's, there's some positives that we cannot lose. We're going to go through a, a pandemic like that. We better, lessons learned and implement them. And applied. That's right. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Good. And I want to put higher ed on a hot seat again, a little bit further because I I think it's worth talking about. And to your point, um, I I agree that higher ed has done a great job of pivoting and I'll specifically give a shout out to USU. You know, we've been offer, uh, you know, operating, um, you know, in this kind of hybrid space for quite some time now. So I I don't think it was as big of a shock to our institution in particular. Um, But I want to dive a little bit deeper into really looking at, you know, how can, how can higher ed stay relevant? Because I think for a lot of students, there's this question of return on investment. Yep. We know students by and large are going to, to increase their career prospects. And so I'm curious, and maybe talk a little bit about how Yushi is maybe playing a, a role in that as well. Now you're talking my language because <laughs> yeah. it, it absolutely is my top priority is just that. How does higher ed stay relevant? Well, the only way it stays relevant is connectivity to workforce. Um, and, and I threw out earlier all these side benefits of an education, which none of us can argue, right? I mean, and we all have seen the studies that we're better people, we live longer, we're healthier, all of that, which is all a great byproduct is the way I looked at it, education. But when Carrie went to get her degree, she didn't say, I want to be a better person. I'm going to live longer. I'm going to be happier. She's saying, I need to make some money because I have a lifestyle that I want to, and I want a career, I want to work, but I want to make a difference in these areas, right? And so if the education system wasn't able to connect her to that, her value proposition wouldn't have been there, right? My value proposition wouldn't have been there. Your value proposition wouldn't have been there the day we walked into college thinking, I'm going to spend a significant amount of time and money. And at the end of the day, this is the outcome that I want. We have to do a better job. And I think we are starting to refocus on making sure we're connected to an economy and the type of jobs that are going to be in that economy. 
because if we're if the, the value proposition is only good if the student gets what they want at the end. Now, it may not be exactly what they looked at, because by the time I start four years and finish four years, slightly different, it might be a little <laughs> bit of a different mm -hmm. um, career mm -hmm. trajectory or whatever. But the value propositions there, because I've set myself up for the type of career that I want and the earning power that I have to be able to satisfy my needs and my wants. Um, if we do that and we better connect with industry and bring industry to the table and help align our programs to meet those needs, the value proposition is always there. I don't think we've ever lost the value proposition. I think we've lost sight of the value proposition, meaning that have we done a really good job of connecting with our industry partners to provide them what they need? Because if I provide industry what they need, I'm providing the student with what they need because those jobs are going to be there at the end of the day. We are having our institutions scrub programs, having them relook at programs, having them rethink programs, and making sure those needs are being met by. Um, do you mind putting you on the spot? No, here, but do you do. mind giving an example of of when you saw you know a change in industry? Industry said we need this, and like an actual implementation of okay, and now we're going to do what? I'll, I'll give you a perfect example since we talked about healthcare. Um, Lieutenant Governor Greg Bell is the president of the hospital associations across the state. He came to us about a year ago. Um, I think Carrie and I was both in the first meeting and basically said, we need more of and rattled them off. Um, we went to our institutions. Institutions said, you know what, because of clinicals, because of everything that's out there, all these nuances, we're doing everything we can do. We asked them to come to the board, the hospital associations, and we had you know, the University of Utah, we had IHC, we had some of the, um, the um, home health care directors and so forth present to our board their real challenges and the real need of what needed to be done and how we could overcome some of those obstacles, you know, that we were, as educators, were throwing out there that may have been artificial, maybe they were real, but they were things we needed to get over within a couple of months. Those things were erased. We were able to implement new programs at the institution, be able to put more seats to be able to help meet those needs. So just that there, but the reason I bring that example up, it was industry putting us in the hot seat to say, in fact, the, the comment by Lieutenant Governor Bell was, if you don't, we'll do our own. And that gets people's attention really quick. So if you wanna talk about relevance of education, when industry says, if you can't provide this training, we will do it, we don't wanna do it. You guys are much better at it than we are. That's what your role is. It's such a need. If you can't, we will. People's ears perked up really quickly and we moved in a direction. Now we needed them to do some things as well, right? But because of that partnership and because of that connectivity, we're in a much better spot. We're not where we need to be, but we're in a much better spot than we were a year ago. I think this is so good and so important again <laughs> to drive, to drive really education based on the local needs. Um and sometimes I think I, I get a little bit overly critical of institutions and maybe even faculty on that level of, you know, why aren't you producing something that is more in line with industry needs? Um, but I am curious, you know, what kinds of resources are available to institutions, maybe even specifically faculty, but I'm curious, you know, we do ask a lot of them and we are asking them to make a lot of changes and sometimes kind of at the drop of it, you know, it, pretty quickly. So I'm curious, you know, what resources are there for folks specifically in higher ed or, or even technical who say, we want to become more relevant. We want to get up to date. You know, where is a good place for them to start? Yeah, a lot of the resources now is coming through our legislative um, appropriations. And we have a new goal um, that was just set a year ago. We'll actually start the performance funding model, which starts a year from now. 
And really what it is, is putting the carrots in the right place for institutions to drive the right direction. So for institutions to be able to receive appropriations from the state, they have to meet certain metrics. Those metrics are 10% more in access over 10 years. Um, I didn't think 10% was a lot until Carrie showed me the numbers. It's significant. <laughs> That's why you have good data people and good economists saying, really, Dave, let me show you what that really means. 10% um, more completion rate. You know, that's another thing yeah. that we need to be more focused on as students to start. Are they finishing? Talk about value proposition. I mean, to me, that's probably the hottest one. And then the third metric is the connectivity to workforce. Are we producing the right thing? So there are resources available and those resources come through the state. The state saying, which I totally appreciate, you're only going to get those if you hit on these key areas. And so that is an encouragement for our presidents, an encouragement for our, our provost, for our faculty. Say, wait a minute, if we're going to continue to get the appropriations that we're getting through state taxpayer dollars. We need to be hitting these marks. And so that, to me, is the best resource that we can have. You'll continue to get funded at a very high level, which we very much appreciate in the state. But we need you hitting these metrics. And you know what? They're absolutely right. If we can't hit those metrics, we shouldn't be taking state tax dollars to put into our education systems to do it. So there's there are resources. Um, we just need everybody to understand that for us to become and remain relevant, and I shouldn't say become, but to, to stay relevant in education, we, we just have to hit those metrics. We gotta have more access. We gotta make sure students are completing. And then when they graduate, we gotta make sure they're right in the right fields. Well, I think that's a great accountability system, like you say, both for higher education, but also the state. So there's not unrealistic expectations um, and yep. there is funding and support, which is really helpful. We hope you loved this episode of the USU Career Studio podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe and share this episode with your friends and family. 